What's up, guys? Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Rife, and this podcast is about a few different things like travel, lifestyle, manifestation, business, wellness, and lately just about living your life on your own terms. So if any of you have been following me for the last few months or even a longtime listener, you know that I quit my job in corporate America about two months ago now, and I'm eating, praying, and loving in Bali more eating than anything. Um, But I'm doing a yoga teacher training right now and it is very intense. So I'm trying to catch you guys up on all my intros about my experience abroad and you know what's going on and what I'm doing. So if any of you are ever thinking about it, you can always DM me, ask me questions, send me an email. I love to help out and I like to keep it real because I think everyone has this idea that once you go abroad or do something like, you know, a yoga teacher training, your life is transformed and that's definitely a possibility, but it's also really important to stay realistic and not sell a false dream to people based on an Instagram photo. So I wanted to tell you about my experience in Bali so far. Last week, I told you about the people and my opinion on that has not changed at all. They are the nicest people I've ever met. They are so hospitable, kind, welcoming. Like I just actually ran into my driver from the airport the other day. I didn't even run into him. He just spotted me across the street and was yelling my name like Chelsea, Chelsea. And I looked across the street and it was him. And he's like, Hey, like how's yoga? And I was like, wow, this is crazy. I feel like if an Uber driver in the States saw me, he would probably just keep driving and not really yell out my name or walk by me. It was just such a random like act. It wasn't even of kindness. It was just like of being around the same area and him recognizing me. And it was just such a little like thing that made my day that I was like, oh, these people are so nice and really go out of their way to make you feel welcome. I still also can't get over how cheap it is everywhere I go. And I always get the conversion in US dollars from my Capital One credit card alerts. I'm shocked at how cheap everything is. Like, again, a massage is anywhere from six to $15. That could be an hour or 90 minutes. Uh, they use something called Gojek, which is like Uber. It's actually abandoned some parts of the city, but it's basically a scooter and they come and pick you up and you put a helmet on and then you're on the scooter like an Uber. And to get that to a 20 minute ride away into Ubud is like a dollar and 35 cents. I, you could get what else you can get a, a really great meal for less than $10. Like it's just shocking how cheap everything is. So that's something that yes, every day, if I go out and get a pedicure or a massage or anything, I'm just like, how is this so cheap? And this is something that's really interesting because I ran into an American when we were out the other day and they were like, yeah, I just feel bad paying only $6 for the massage. Like I, I just can't even really do that. And I was like, you have to think that $6 to them is relative to their currency. So it's not like they're saying, oh, I'm only making $6. What a ripoff to them. $6 is what it would be for a massage in the US. What we would pay, I don't know, 70 to 80. So in their minds, they're like, yeah, I'm getting paid fairly. They're not saying, oh, wow, I'm only getting paid $6 because they're using their own currency, if that makes sense. So the other argument there is that you're actually helping them. So it's kind of weird to say, oh, I can't even, I just, I feel guilty only paying $6 for a massage. Well, actually now you're giving them $0 and not helping them at all versus if you gave them $6 and now they made money for the day. So that was something that I found interesting that people are actually feeling guilty about going to get these massages when in reality you're putting money in people's pockets. So 
that's my argument for getting all these massages. I'm helping out the economy. I'm getting self-care. And again, it's relative to their currency. Of course, it's a developing nation. So that's something really important to speak about. Of course, if you ever look up Bali on Instagram, it is gorgeous. And it's absolutely gorgeous in real life, too. But it's a developing country. So the water's not that great. You can't drink tap water. You have to get bottled water. There's, you know, there's stray dogs running around. There's definitely poor parts of town where you can just see that people are struggling. I actually saw a mom and an infant baby just sleeping on the sidewalk when I was walking downtown Ubud the other day. And it's sad to see, but I think it's important to talk about this because I don't want anyone to come to Bali after looking at anyone's Instagram photos, thinking it's luxurious 10-star resorts left and right. When, of course, those are here, but you also have to remember where you are and to be respectful. What I've noticed is there's a lot of like tradition and grit and culture here. And I think that's why I'm really loving it because it's a bit westernized. Like, yes, if you go into Ubud or Changu or Seminyak, there's a ton of like Instagram cafes and cotton candy sit, like pop ups that you can just take really funny pictures and, you know, all the stuff you literally would see on Instagram. But at the same time, there's so much culture and they have a lot of national pride. Like there is an Indonesian flag everywhere and I really love that and they just take so much pride in their past history They're always doing offerings. They have a temple they a temple. They have a million temples They're constantly just taking part in the traditions Like even where I'm staying the little offerings that are made of flowers and leaves and everything They actually bring those out every three to four hours So it's just really nice to see even in a westernized society how much tradition and grit is still here and really trying to restore that faith in their own country. So I really love it here. I actually am looking to extend my trip. You can be here for 30 days and I'm only here, I think for 25. So I'm trying to look into flights right now and see what the cost would be. But if I can't figure it out, if I come back again, I'm definitely coming for like four weeks. Like I said, you could probably live like a queen or king here for a thousand dollars for four weeks and i'm not kidding and that's if you're eating out breakfast lunch and dinner and maybe getting some drinks so definitely look into bali i'm happy to send you recommendations right now i've really only had a few days off this yoga training is so intense we only get wednesdays off so i've really only been out to ubud three times and those times we're trying to pack stuff in but i haven't been to the beach I haven't been to probably a lot of the things you've seen on Instagram. I haven't been to like the really cool westernized cafes. I've really just been trying to wander around and do things that are definitely like self-care because this, like I said, this yoga training is so intense. I'm trying to get massages, pedicures, foot reflexology, like anything to just calm my body down because we are doing about three hours of yoga a day. It's a two hour practice in the morning and then an hour and a half at night. Of course, you're not doing like vinyasa flows every single time, but it's still really challenging on the body and also the mind. If you can imagine being somewhere at 6.30 in the morning and having dinner at seven, that's over a 12 hour day that you're with the same people on the same grounds, learning about philosophy and history and anatomy and sequencing and all these different things that I've never in my life learned about. It's kind of like information overload and stimulation overload. So that's the part that I want to keep it real about yoga teacher training is I'm not here on a retreat. I'm not like lounging by the pool and sleeping in and then, you know, walking around the rice fields and taking cute photos like that's not it at all. I'm actually like struggling to wake up. I get to the 630 class. I'm struggling in the 
yoga practices in the morning because they're physically demanding now. Like I, I've been doing yoga six days a week now because of this training and my body is definitely starting to fatigue. So I'm doing a lot of modifications and then we go straight into like philosophy or anatomy or something that again, I haven't learned much about. So it's sometimes, you know, a little bit irritable. You're like, okay, when is this class over? Or, oh my God, we just went 15 minutes over into lunch. Like just like anything that you would do for 25 days straight, it's going to burn you out a little bit. So yoga teacher training is intense, but I'm learning so much. The girls and there's one guy are absolutely amazing. And we've done so much together and they've really pushed me out of my comfort zone. So I would recommend it if it's something that you really want to challenge yourself to do, or even just like something that you're interested that you're like, I don't even necessarily need to be a teacher, but I want to maybe learn discipline or I really would love to learn about the foundations of yoga. It's an amazing experience. There's actually a few people here that said they might not even want to be a teacher, but they just love being able to get away from whatever they were doing back home and immerse themselves in this experience and have this knowledge. And if they ever wanted to, they could go back to it and say, yeah, you know what? I do have a certification I could teach. So it's a, it's a big commitment investment-wise, financially, spiritually, mentally, physically, but it is flying by. Like Every single day, I'm like, wow, I can't believe we're almost halfway done or we're halfway done. Actually, at this point, we're on our third week now, and we have our final a week from now, which is an entire hour of teaching. So a little nervous. <laughs> if anyone has any um, sequencing advice for all you yogis out there, DM me. I definitely need some help. But yeah, we have to teach an hour class next week. We just taught a 25-minute one, and then we teach a 30-minute one on Tuesday, and then next Thursday is our final practicum. So things are flying by, but overall it's going well. Like I said, the people are so amazing. On our days off, I'm doing stuff I would never do. Last week, I went to a sound bath at the Yoga Barn. The Yoga Barn is a place I would highly recommend. It's like almost if you could imagine... If Disney thought up a yoga mini theme park, that's what I would describe the yoga barn as. It's in Ubud. It's like apparently super famous. I didn't know about it because I don't like to research places so much. Like I like to go there and then just ask people. But this place I kept hearing about. And then I was like, oh, sometimes, you know, the hype is just not worth what people are saying. And then I ended up going and I was like, oh, yep, I get it. It's amazing. (laughs) It's like you walk in and it's just like, Everything you could imagine, every element of yoga is in this almost like little town, basically. You walk down these like rock stairs, there's bamboo everywhere, there's plants everywhere, there's a garden cafe to the right, there's villas on the left, there's like five studios across all levels. They have glass in the back of the studio that's completely looking into like a rainforest is what it looks like. There's all this vegan food and juices and yogis all over and there's music like it literally, like I said, as if as if Disney made a mini theme park for yogis, that's what Yoga Barn is. So last week I did a sound bath there and I was like, mm, I've done like one sound bath before and it was really um, short. It was like 20 minutes. This was, I think, 90 minutes. And in the beginning, you sing with the person and they have a guitar. And I was like, you know what? I don't know about this. I already hate when people whip out acoustic guitars at parties, totally unsolicited. And I was like, I don't know about this, but, you know, let me push myself out of my comfort zone. And let me tell you something. When you're singing in a group of people that you don't know that are all singing the same song and very like minded, 
it is a totally different experience than when you're at a party and someone's just like, hey, I'm going to play Wonderwall. Like, who wants to chant along with me? That's not the case when you do a sound bath or any type of kirtan, which I'll tell you about in a second. But it was a beautiful experience. So we sang for like not even that long, maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And then you lay down with a blanket and a bolster pillow and a mat. And then they just play all these different sounds like rain, uh, rain sticks and wind chimes and gongs and um, like all these like different sounds that I've never even heard of harmonicas like basically the point is to stimulate your sound perception because you hear the same thing every day you're either listening to a video or watching tv or listening to a lecture you never really hear the sounds again like a rain stick or a wind chime in your everyday life so the point is to try and get your mind to expand with sound healing and apparently it was a huge tradition in ancient history where they would try to heal people with sound so i loved it i was like in a trance like sound was bouncing all over my brain i was like oh i'm definitely coming back here so if you're ever in ubud and you have the chance to go to yoga barn do the sound bath specifically with shervin i really liked him um what else have i done oh my gosh kirtan someone thought i was saying crouton <laughs> so it's kirtan k-r-i-t-a-n and it's kind of like the sound bath except this time you're actually singing the whole time and i was like hard no not going i don't like singing i don't like singing in groups i don't like singing towards things that i don't even know what we're singing about because kirtan you're singing in sanskrit so i was like so you're basically singing in another language to things that you don't know about like i'm not doing that and then five people from my yoga group ended up going and they're like Chelsea, we literally were crying like tears of happiness. We were having breakthroughs. We were like, we were so overjoyed with emotion. And I was like, yeah, still like, that's insane. I can't even believe you guys cried. Like, what are you talking about? And then someone else ended up going to a different Kirtan class and they're like, it's so beautiful. Like, it's amazing. And I'm like, I just don't get it. Like, what are you, you're just sitting there chanting and singing and in a different language. Like, how can you get emotional over that? So I was like, well, I guess I'll see for myself. So I went to Radiantly Alive, which is another really popular studio here. These studios, to give you some insight, Ubud is like a mecca of health and wellness. You could walk down a main street and see a like probably 18 spas, 15 vegan restaurants, a million places to get like Ayurvedic healing or astrological readings or foot reflexology or acupuncture, like it's actually my dream because I love all this stuff that is actually, it's overwhelming a little bit. Like I'll walk down the street and be like, God, do I want to go get an astro chart reading or do I want foot reflexology or should I get acupressure or like, what should I do? I haven't even heard of half these things. So radiantly alive has a ton of this stuff. It's huge. A lot of the studios are like that where they don't just focus on yoga. They have like a whole cafe in the front and then they have all these rooms in the back for 20 different types of workshops and classes and one-on-one -on -one sessions. So I really like the setup of Radiantly Alive and Kirtan we did on Wednesday night. And Kirtan again is someone singing in Sanskrit and you're chanting along as you feel. And I feel like chanting is kind of a powerful word because to me, I'm thinking of like, football and the war chant because i went to fsu so i'm thinking of people like yelling and screaming aggressively at the top of their lungs and you know just like the stuff you see in movies when they talk about these type of like kumbaya circles and it was not like that at all the girl's voice was so melodic and beautiful that i was like okay i'm in a trance 
And then everyone is singing and it kind of is like the sound bath where everyone is just in a like-minded stage of their life or they're just there and they're not judgmental. So it's not like you go there and people are like, "Mm, let me see how good your singing is. It's just like, if you want to join in, you can. If you want to clap, you can. If you want to just lay down and listen to people singing, you can. If you want to get a maraca and shake it, you can. If you like, you can do whatever you want, basically. Like there was a guy basically running around the room, completely letting the music take over his body. There was an older lady that was probably 70, like completely <laughs> encompassed by the music as well. Then there was a guy in the back just laying down. There were a few people just like sitting down listening. Some of us were standing. And that's what I've started to notice is all these spaces here are really non-judgmental. So it's not like any of us left the class and we're like, wow, did you see that one guy running around? And those three people didn't even stand up. Like, I I didn't even care. I only noticed because the one guy was literally running around the room. But I was like, you know what? I would love to get to that stage of my life where I literally don't give a fuck and I'm just completely letting the music take over my body. That is what this guy was experiencing. So Kirtan is really awesome. I definitely want to go back and I could understand why people get emotional when you're singing at the same vibration as everyone. And to such a beautiful lead singer, the girl's voice was so amazing. There's just like, you can't help but feel like, oh my God, like, how grateful am I to be here and let my voice out and think about how much you like suppress your own voice at work. You don't speak up to your boss or your coworker or you don't confront your friend or you wish you said something different in your relationship to your boyfriend or your girlfriend or, you know, told your mom and dad that wasn't okay to say that we're constantly suppressing our voice. And so to just like let everything out, I was like, okay, I get why people get emotional because there was a point where I felt this almost like tightness in my chest that I was like, God, it feels like something's trying to get out. And I realized that's exactly why people go to this. That's exactly why people go to Kirtan. So I will definitely be going back. And again, I recommend going to Radiantly Alive in Ubud to the Wednesday night class at 730. It was amazing. I also went to a holy temple called, I think, the Turta Temple, where you go in with a sarong and you go under all these fountains and you're supposed to be blessed. It's like holy water. And there's a whole ritual involved. You don't have to do the ritual if you don't want, but it's really beautiful. I will say it is a bit disappointing that they let so many cameras in. Um, It's just one of those things that you're like, well, this is a holy temple and, you know, it's so spiritual and there's all these people praying and meditating. But then at the same time, there's people like posing for their Instagram shoots and Canon cameras everywhere and underwater cases and It just kind of, to me, killed the vibe of the holiness, but I'm so glad I went and experienced it because it was something, again, that if you told me I would have done that a year ago, I would have been like, "Mm, no, I'm not interested, but I went with a really cool group of people from my group, and it was something that, it's just nice to say I went and feel that energy around the temple and how serious, again, going back to tradition, that the Balinese really like to take into account their culture and their past and their history and continue these customs. So I'm glad I went there. What else have I done? Been eating a lot of vegetarian food. Like I said, if you listen to my episode last week, in my intro, I have been eating vegetarian food every day because of the yoga program. Yogis believe, you know, you should be eating clean food, things from the earth. So I thought I would be dead by now. And I think the only reason I'm alive is because I have gone to the market and I keep getting little chocolate bars. So (laughs) I'm getting my sugar fix. Um, Yes, that's obviously not the healthiest thing on earth. I probably would be much stronger and less tired if I wasn't eating those, but 
you know, I'm not perfect and we have to find balance. So chocolate bars are in my stash in my room for when I don't want to eat all the vegetarian food. I have also gotten a million massages. They're so amazing. Like I said, six to $15. I got a foot reflexology massage yesterday, 30 minutes each foot, $6 because my feet are cramping so much from all the yoga we've been doing, but it was so worth it. Like every time I can squeeze one in, I'm trying to get one. So highly recommend getting a massage if you come here. What else? Curtains, sound baths, massages. It's like I said, it's just a wellness of, it's a, Mecca of wellness. I was going to say a well of wellness, but that actually makes sense too. So come to Ubud if you ever want to experience any type of wellness journey, you will not be disappointed. So outside of eating, praying, loving, doing all the fun things that there are to do in Bali, there's also a lot of self-reflection. And it's really brought up a lot of things that I want to work on. And I would say three of them are confronting people, discipline, and boundaries. And some of them might go hand in hand with each other, which is why today's conversation with the guests are literally perfect. Because not only do we cover quite a few things, we even go into getting sober, into confronting your issues from the past, into relationships, into cheating, into so many different things and how to overcome them. And it's with Tori and Vera of the Sweetheart Club. That's S-U-I and you'll hear why they called it that. It's actually a really cool story. And this conversation goes all over the place, but in a good way. I'll let you guys decide that, but I'm biased. I feel like it was a good interview because It was one of those conversations where I didn't feel like it was an interview. I literally felt like I was just talking to two girls over mimosas and we really were just laying it all out on the table. Again, we cover everything from just setting boundaries to criticism to judgment and a lot of us deal with this on a daily basis and I just think it's so admirable that they created a company to actually allow you to break any stigmas you have around yourself, around mental illness, around getting sober, around loving yourself. Like It's not selfish to do that. And this conversation really dives deep into what the meaning of Sweetheart Club is and what they stand for. And you guys are going to be so excited to hear from Vera and Tori. Tori's actually from The Challenge, Tori Deal on MTV. And if you guys watch The Challenge, it's a shit show. Everyone is jealous, fighting, crying, wasted, blacked out, cheating, yelling at each other. I mean, it really is an insane show. And so it's quite shocking to see that she comes from that world and created this company. And she just, she actually gives us a backstory of what happened and why this company came to be and how how much of a transition it was to actually discover, okay, wait a second, I'm in this crazy pressure cooker house, which is the challenge house. And then I go out of it and then I'm on a total opposite spectrum. Like I want to create music and create art and just connect with people. And that's really hard to do when you're on reality TV. And so her and Vera dive into their whole origin story. And I think you guys are going to love the conversation. You can follow them at Sweetheart Club. Again, it's S-U-I and go to their website. They have a ton of cute stuff coming out, cute merchandise, and they're always doing really fun self-love challenges. With all that said, I think it's time to dive into the interview with Tori and Vera and hear what Sweetheart Club is all about. Okay, guys, I am here with Vera and Tori Deal behind Sweetheart Club who basically you guys developed this brand and company out of, I think, what what would you call it? Like a gap in self-love? Like, I just feel like everyone talks shit about themselves all the time. And all of a sudden you guys came up with a company that was like, let's flip the script on that. Can you guys tell us what you specifically do and what the company is? Totally. Well, Sweetheart Club is a brand that we created just based on bringing more awareness to self-love and self-care. 
Um, it really started because of Instagram, I think. I mean, just being on Instagram, it's so easy to scroll through and be like, this is draining my whole life. So it's like, what could we add to Instagram that's going to make people be like, oh, you know, I, I want to think more positively about myself or just about the day. And it really just kind of grew from that seed. Yeah. And then from there, we were like, okay, well, I'm a graphic designer and illustrator. So we started with shirts and then it really became clear to us that we could make products that kind of could make living more mindfully and more intentionally easier. So now we have make products where, you know, we have crystal infused candles and fragrances and crystal jewelry, just really marrying awesome products with intention. And how did you two specifically meet? Well, we met at a bar in New York six, almost seven years ago at this yeah. point. Yeah. It's been a while. And, you know, you don't really become friends with girls at bars, or at least I don't. I go there for the guys. Yeah. And <laughs> me and her just kind of, like, clicked. And we literally got drunk and, like, talked for hours. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and then, what, you just stayed in touch? And then... So, she... So, at the time, we were both doing music. Okay. And so, she showed me her music, and I was working in a music studio... And I was like, hey, I think you should come do music with me and my music partner. Mm -hmm. And so our friendship really started as a music business relationship. Wow. Yeah. So we've kind of always had a business relationship that we developed a friendship off of. That's amazing. Yeah. And then who came up with the specific idea of Sweetheart Club? Like, was it one of you or you just were sitting like on the couch one day? Like, where did it pop up? So it actually started after because we have a children's book coming out. And so we were working on the kids book first. And then we were just sitting there one day and we were like, oh my God, like we're falling in love with this idea of just drawing this or drawing this character and kind of like creating this content or these rhymes. And then we we're like, let's like make it, let's make a whole different brand, not realizing how much effort it was going to be. It's also been very satisfying and amazing, oh, yeah. but we a ton of work. We birthed, <laughs> oh, yeah. we birthed a whole nother baby, you know? Oh yeah. So, yeah. We literally had the idea in late June last year, 2018. And then we were out by July, 2018. And then we we're like, Oh God, like, <laughs> Oh, this is, it this kind is of worked. Yeah. It grew like from this little initial idea we had, it's really taken form. Like we really understood what we could bring to the table and it's just grown and developed. And I think that's like been the major learning lesson for us. Like we thought it was going to be one thing. It's totally transformed as we've grown and as we've gotten more comfortable with our voices and really understood what we have to give to people. I like that you guys launched quick though and then tweaked because I made the mistake of waiting like a year and a half to start my podcast because I was like, I'm going to have the best people on my team and the best designers and the best everything. And then you launch and you're like, Okay, I didn't even know what I was doing. I need someone to just help me in general. Like, yeah. where did I think I was the expert in, like, hiring all these people? Right. And so it took me forever to get it off the ground, and I'm still, like, tweaking and refining. But had I started a year and a half prior, I would have been a year and a half ahead. Mm-hmm. So you guys basically were like, all right, let's do it all in. Yeah. And then the response seems like it was just out of control. Totally. It was positive. I mean, it was kind of about, you know... I was on my Instagram and I had follow a following from being on the challenge. And so I just felt like that group of people, that specific demographic, like really needed self-love in their life. Oh yeah. And so that's something that her and I, we practice all the time. We're constantly talking about things that are like helping to bring ourselves to, you know, just taking care of ourselves better. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, these people need help. <laughs> so it was just about using that platform and literally just kind of funneling it and making this an avenue that people from here could also grasp onto too. Right. And so 
that was definitely helpful. But then it turned into, okay, now how much can we really offer these people? Right. Because we're not psychiatrists. You yeah. Know? Like, we're not psychologists. Like, I mean, she has a background in yoga and meditation, which has been amazing. Yes. Yeah, super helpful. But, like, I mean, I don't have anything like that. <laughs> I just have a, a good heart and want there to be something, you know, positive. Right. That people have in their lives. So I think that's kind of how it's like, at least we had that opening to work with. Right. And that kind of really helped the ball roll. I was going to say, I think a lot of people know you from the challenge, mm-hmm. which is known for being one of the most dramatic shows. There's constantly cheating for like cussing, racism, all these things going on. Totally. Like there's a lot of scandals. Yeah. So I think it's in a way refreshing and surprising to see that you turn that energy the other way. I feel like how can you just like being somebody who is aware of that themselves, it just made me so believe in that after being on that because, you know, just being on those shows, it's a, it's a fucking mind fuck. Oh my God. I can't even imagine. Everybody needs Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> well, and just like as her friend, knowing her before and after the shows, like, I mean, we were friends for like three years probably before or mm-hmm. two. Three. Um, I would say you are, you came out of that, you know, you could have gone totally more dramatic and down that rabbit hole, you came out of that way more aware of yourself and way more like willing to learn and learning, learning about yourself. And just like, we hadn't seen, we, you know, she was filming for like basically like a straight year at one point. So we hadn't seen each other. And when we finally did, I was like, Whoa, like Tori grew up. (laughs) I feel like, you know, and that's something to be said for anybody who's kind of like afraid to try something new. It's like, you don't know what the experience is going to hold, but if you know within your core that you're a good person, you're going to find things that are going to shape and mold you to be a better person. And sometimes they're going to be hard. And sometimes you're going to be, you're going to look like an asshole on TV. But at the end of the day, after all of that, it's just going to be growth. And that's kind of the most positive thing to take from all of that. And that's why, I mean, I'm so lucky now that I get to take a business relationship that started before that. And now molded into something way bigger and beautiful than anything I could have imagined. For sure. And I remember I was always in love with you because you were just so funny. But something you said on the show because you were caught cheating mm-hmm. or something happened. There was a scandal. And it was addressed at the reunion. And you were like, I've forgiven myself. And I don't really care what you guys think of this anymore. And I was like, damn. Like, <sighs> I thought you were going to be like, no, next question. Let's move on. And I was like, that was such a powerful statement. So where did you learn that? And where do you guys think you got this like self-care background? Like, did you grow up with it? Was it a practice that you really had to work on? I think it, I think at least I can only speak for myself. I think it comes down to at the end of the day, you have to forgive yourself. And especially when there's a bunch of people judging you, it's like, they're going to judge you because they're going to judge you no matter what. Mm -hmm. And once you learn that and you face that fear, it's like, okay, well, how can I grow? How can I grow? Mm -hmm. So it's only steps for growth after that. And that's all you have space for. It's all you have energy for is growth. Right. Yeah. I mean, from my awareness of self-love came from being an absolute asshole to myself in my um, teenage years and early 20s. I had anorexia and bulimia. I just made a lot of terrible decisions for myself. So the, the reason why I am aware and probably why I started doing meditation and yoga is because I needed to heal myself. And I knew that if I didn't heal myself, it was never going to get better. So I feel like my awareness of, you know, how to take care of myself came from years and years of not taking care of myself. So now that I know what I know and I know how to really listen to myself, my body and my mind and be gentle with myself, be forgiving of myself, the only thing that I can do is turn around and try to share that knowledge with other people. 
Was there any specific moment, like, do you guys remember a day or time or anything that was the catalyst for you to start to take care of yourselves? Like, was it a rock bottom moment that you're like, I literally don't want to do this anymore? Or was it a one line someone said? Because I feel like there's a lot of people listening that are like, I would love to start doing these things, but I, like, I can't even see the bright light. Mine was definitely probably that moment on TV, you know, because I had a different perception of it, but the way it was twisted was so, made me look like the bad guy that I was like, there's... And I look this way in front. There's just no, it doesn't matter. This is, everyone's going to look at me this way now. All I can do is be like, what am I going to do to make, to make it better for myself? How am I going to progress from this? And so I, that was definitely my moment, but that moment took, there was like six other moments before <laughs> that moment. You know what I mean? hundred percent. There's like layers to it. Yeah. Like you do have the initial realization. You're like, Oh, and then you think you you operate at a certain level for a while and you're like, okay, I'm like, I think I'm taking care of myself. And then you're like, oh, but I'm not, mm, you know? And so yeah. you keep leveling up. I feel like my journey of self-care has been like a video game. It's like, I'm like, do you, I feel like I'm like fighting this like battle of life. And then I like level up and I'm like, yeah, I won the level. And then I'm like, but wait, no, I have so much more <laughs> yeah. to learn. Like there's still this other big demon I have to fight. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah like and the then, gamer code that you're like, now you got to get to the master level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's <laughs> lifelong. I feel like practicing self-love. That's why it's called a practice is because you never master it. You come to, you come to yourself every day and you see what's what and you see what to work on. And like, you're like, okay, great. I did that. But now I have this other whole thing that I have to work on. Yeah. I'm glad that you said it's a practice and it's not a destination that you just get to in like three months and you're like, okay, I'm going to start doing all these things and I'm going to hit that stage and then boom, that's my life now. Because if that were the case and we were all perfect and hit that level, then we would all be like robots and not ever learning and evolving. Definitely. Like enlightened robots. Right. (laughs) And that's what's so funny is we're all like chasing this like constant thing of like, happiness and and where can I like feel better about myself but it's like it is a daily practice so what are some of your daily practices that are like non-negotiables or do you have like a toolbox that you dip into every day I mean I think I meditate and do uh I I like Michael Seeley's meditations or Vera's meditations Mm -hmm. and I listen to them right before bed and I try to like really at least listen to 30 minutes of it before I fall asleep because I know I'm going to fall asleep eventually. But like I always try to just end on a positive note. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of the day, I try when I first wake up, I try to keep my try to stay off Instagram and like for at least the first 30 minutes of being awake. Right. And just think positive thoughts and just be like the universe is going to give me a bunch of great shit today. Yes. <laughs> I'm worthy of the great shit it's going to yes. give me. You know, just Absolutely. like those positive thoughts. And then like, you know, throughout the day, I'm like, fuck, this sucks. And then, but, you know, try to like start that way and end that way. And then hopefully within the middle of the day, retouch on it. Right. What totally. For me, um, in the morning, just having a ritual. Like I wake up every morning and I have coffee. And like, yes, it's coffee. But for me, it's just this symbol of spending time with myself. Like I said, on my patio, I write in my journal or I pull tarot cards for myself and just kind of have 30 minutes to myself. I live with my boyfriend. I don't talk to him for the first 30 minutes of my day because that's me. That's me time. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, this whole concept of self-care being selfish is just such bullshit. Mm -hmm. If we don't take care of ourselves and our whole people to ourselves, like how are we going to give back to anybody else? Mm -hmm. It's impossible. Yeah. It really is crazy that I don't know where that became a thing. Like why did someone say self-care is selfish? And I think it's because people started to confuse self-care with like beauty appointments. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, that's not what it is. It's literally like you said, my me time. Like 
I don't think anyone has ever like sat down and checked in with their thoughts until they do it. And they're like, whoa, like, why have I felt so off? Because we wake up, we run, we go to work, we work out, we get dinner, we go to dinner with friends, we're back home. And then you're like, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And Mm -hmm. then you're like, what the fuck am I even feeling? Mm -hmm. And it's really scary to face those, they're not even demons sometimes, just like those inner thoughts. What did you guys come across as obstacles when you started like taking care of yourself? Like, was there anything that you're like, oh, I like really don't want to do that work. And what did you do to like overcome it? I definitely think like, um, like diet is a big one for that because, and like, that's something I'm still struggling with. Or even like having, we were talking about this yesterday, like going out and having a social drink. Mm. And it's like, I know my body really doesn't want that. Like, and like, it's when you're in that atmosphere and that environment, it just makes it easy to have a drink. And then that turns into two. And I think that that's something that like I've been struggling with and will probably continue to struggle with. But I think it's just diet for me. It's just like being conscious of what I'm putting into my body. Oh my God. I'm just glad you said that. Cause I literally like, I know I have a gluten intolerance and I literally, every time I eat it, I feel sick. When I don't eat it, I don't feel sick. And last night I was like, I'm just going to get a bowl of pasta. Okay. And then the same thing with the social drink. My friend was like, let's go to a rooftop. I was like, okay, I don't really want to drink. I'm about to move. I also don't need to be spending money. Right. And I'm at a rooftop spending like $17 on Rosé. Then we get wine. Yeah. And she's like, let's get another one. And I'm like, I don't want any of this. Right. But I'm like, I can't say no because it's right. like a social atmosphere. So that's something that sounds like is still a work in progress for you. For me, for sure. And she's been a huge inspiration in a way that, I mean, I don't know if you want to like tell your yeah, story. Yeah. 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 Um, I stopped drinking six months ago. Oh, that's amazing. Um, because I was blacking out way too easily. Um, and I, I could go for weeks without drinking. I don't consider myself an alcoholic, but my body was just like, nope, you cannot do this anymore because I would black out and not remember how I got home. And I'm talking about like going to get two or three glasses of wine with friends, like not like party. Yeah. Like, it was just, it didn't matter how much or little I drank it. Reac- my body reacted the same way. And I was like, well, you know, I am 32. I want to have a family at some point. If I keep drinking, like, I don't know what's going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. So like talk about like peeling back layers of self-care. Like this is very recent, like that I was finally like, okay, I have to take a look at this. And it is weird. It's totally weird to go into social situations and be like, "Eh, I am sober, but I'm not sober because I smoke weed. (laughs) And I think, but I think that that's another like really hard misconception about sobriety Mm -hmm. or choices around substances. It's like, I think AA has this concept of like, okay, well, if you're, if you're not drinking, you're an alcoholic, or if you're sober, then you don't, then you abstain from every substance. And Mm -hmm. that's just not the case. Everybody deals with substances differently and no one can tell you shit about what you do or don't do. Right. I'm so glad you are touching on this because I just talked to another podcast guest about this who has been sober for four months because similarly, she was like, just blacking out and then would take Ambien and then would wake up and like not even know where she was. And she was like, this isn't okay. Like this isn't the life I want, but it is so hard to stop. And I was telling her a story where similarly I was like not drinking for a while, but I was like, I have this weird fear that I'm like holding onto a past party girl identity that when I show up to these events, people are like, come on, let's do shots. And I'm like, well, I'm the one that has to do the shot and initiate that. And eventually I was like, okay, I need to just like leave happy hour early or not go. And slowly I started doing that. But I remember it was such a big deal for me. I was like sweating, like what's everyone going to say if I leave this happy hour early. And so it's a little boundary I had to set, but it sounds like you guys had to start setting boundaries around eating or drinking. Like how was that like? And 
even now, like, what are you doing to actually set those boundaries? Well, like, it was interesting. It, it's like when you stop doing something that's so socially normal, like, you really see who your, your true friends are. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I've never felt any pressure from many of my friends and family, but there were a few friends that were like, oh, are you still not drinking? And I'm like, yeah, and it might be forever, you yeah. know? And, you know, if someone has a, a difficulty with your not partaking in something, it's their shit. Mm-hmm. It's their issue. They're having a similar maybe issue with the same substance. Right, like they're using you for their vices. They right. want to party with you because they want somebody to party with, you right. know? So yeah. I definitely think, a, like, a support team is super important. And, like, just for anything like that, I mean... I don't know. Otherwise I'm still struggling. Also working out and like making working out my goal helps me to kind of keep myself on track because I'm Mm -hmm. like, I can't work out when I'm hungover. Oh yeah. This morning I literally, my friend and I were supposed to go to a 715 class and I was like, I just ate so much pasta and wine. I'm going to die if I go to that class. And I'm like, now I'm annoyed because I didn't do that because I let the night derail me for one social activity. I know. Where I'm sure my friend wouldn't have given a shit if I was like, I'm going to get a salad and water. Right. Like where do we, it's weird that we like make up these things that people are going to care so much. I can so relate to that. Like when I left that happy hour early, I was like, everyone's going to talk shit about me. I'm going to like, just get like reamed tomorrow for leaving early. And everyone's like, have fun. I'm like, Oh, well, we project so much of our own stuff on other people. Yeah. It sounds like you were saying like, you can relate to that a little bit. Like what experiences have you had? I feel like, you know, just being somebody where people are like, Oh, Tori, like your personality or like, I think when I go out, I have to be a party. I'm like a one party show at least until I'm with friends that are still vibing with me. But no matter what, I can't be the pooper of the party. I can't Mm -hmm. be the one that doesn't take the shots. You know, I definitely feel the pressure in the same way to be like always turn up. Right. And then it's it's just like this weird line of like, oh, I want to live my life and be like YOLO. But at the same time, I really want to go work out. <laughs> so, I'm like, well, like, how do I, how do I balance that? It's like a constant struggle. I'm yeah. still dealing with it. So I can't give any advice on it. Yeah. You know, I think it's just something that we can all relate to and just kind of like get into group text. So yeah. Like, oh, that we can push through it. Group, yeah. little Facebook group. <laughs> Seriously. I think it helps when we have conversations like this though, because people don't realize how many people are actually taking a step to be sober or pencil in workouts or like stop eating gluten or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think there's this weird thing, like even with the gluten thing, they're like, Oh, okay. You're allergic to gluten, like grow up. And I'm like, no, I actually feel nauseous when I eat it. Or like, you're really not going to have that one glass of wine, like get over it. And so there's this weird, like thing that people think everyone cares, but it's like all three of us are trying to transform that part of our lives and no one cares as much as we think. But like how? Yeah. I know. <laughs> I mean like we're such a consumer culture and mm-hmm. that goes along with like what we eat and what we drink and like the like the mode, like the MO of our culture is just consume, consume, consume. Mm-hmm. So when we're not doing that, it's so like antithetical to like what we're taught. You know, right. like okay, well no, I'm I'm going to choose to do this or I'm gonna choose to do that. And like honestly, the more that we have like power over what we actually choose to consume, whether it's food or drinking or drugs or social media or whatever, the more we have power over what we consume, like the more agency we have in our lives. Like mm-hmm. that's what I've learned so much this year. Like if I, if I'm going to choose this and choose that, choose who I spend time with, like you have all the power in the world when you have choice mm-hmm. and everybody has choice. Mm-hmm. And I think it help, helps build confidence. Like I saw this quote and it was like, confidence is literally just like setting boundaries and not breaking promises with yourself. And I was like, damn, that's so true. Like mm-hmm. if I make a promise that I'm not going to go to happy hour and I say like, I'm not going to go to happy hour, 
I'm like, ooh, I just said no. Like, yeah. now I feel a little more confident in myself. Yeah. Yeah. And so you just said something interesting, too, about who you spend time with. And this is a subject that I'm, like, diving into more in podcasts is personal breakups, whether that's, like, romantic, friendships, family members that are toxic. I feel like people just think, I can't do it. Like, they're my family member. Like, I, they, she's my sister. Or, like, it's my friend I've known since I was seven. I can't stop talking to them. Have you guys had any experiences like that? And how did you deal with it? I mean, I feel like personally, in terms of breaking up, my big worst breakups have been with bad boyfriends. And I've just come to a spot now within the past like two years of being with my most recent boyfriend, Jordan, mm-hmm. who like were great. But in terms of friends, I mean, I'm very picky to pick them out in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I'm not actually a good friend to somebody <laughs> unless I've decided I'm a friend. <laughs> I'm pretty like, oh, you will hang out. No, we won't. Yeah. You know, like, I, I'm not in like a mean way, but it's like. I just, you know, I'm all, I've always been super picky about friendships, but boyfriends is where I had issues. Yeah. You're like super, um, yeah, you're super choosy with who you spend time with. And I've always really admired that about you. Oh, thanks. You're like, I'm, nope, 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 not working for me. And mostly like, especially with friendships and like, that's, I think why we got so close is because we can work on so many different things together. Mm -hmm. I like to work with people and be friends with people that we can build with. Right. If I can't do something with you that I feel like built, helps me build my life, then I don't want to really be your friend not because you're not a great person right but because time is really valuable for me Mm -hmm. yeah and also like we have no like need i feel like we don't need anything from each other yeah like we talk when we need to we can also not talk for a month well that's impossible at this point (laughs) right but like we have gone through periods of our friendship where we didn't talk very much Mm -hmm. and then six months later we're like back to where we always were totally um i have definitely broken up with friends Mm -hmm. and it was hard because this particular one I was friends with since I was two years old and she mm. was like really, really close to me and my family. And it was like, a, it was like toxic. It was toxic. Like a boyfriend was toxic and it was so one-sided where I was always giving the advice and she was always having an issue. And like, you know, even to the point where my mom was like, you shouldn't do this. Like she, she needs you. And I was like, but what about me? You know, like, right at this point, it's not even, it's not even a friendship. It's me. Like I'm not a therapist. I can't give right. this advice to, you know, this person. Um, especially cause it was like a mental health related. So I had to distance myself and we get a lot of questions on sweetheart. Like I have a hard time with my family or a friendship. And like, I feel like it, what we've learned from sweetheart is like, we are all going through the same shit. Mm-hmm. We are all having the same problems. And like, there's just like this hesitancy to just be real about it and just yeah. talk about it. Like the internet's beautiful. Like we can all connect in community on the internet and on social media. And mm-hmm. like, if we don't use it for that, we are doing ourselves a disservice. Absolutely. It's crazy because Instagram really has turned into like a, let me comment on your selfie connection mm-hmm. as opposed to let me create a community connection. And that's where sweetheart was born from that idea. And so, like, that's why I feel like it will be positive the more it grows because we, like, poke for all of these questions to come out from everybody all the time. Right. Because we have them, too. That's, like, why it started. Like, mm-hmm. We're like, we need more friends. <laughs> that's what I'm to help. You know? Us. Yeah. So, like, that's just kind of, like, what I think is what's beautiful about Sweetheart Club in terms of, like, internet connections. Mm-hmm. Because I really feel like they've just gotten, like, very weak. Well, and if you think about the content, like you were talking about consuming, there's that quote of like, you hang, you are the five people you hang out with. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you think about it, all you're consuming is like 
fashion bloggers that are traveling to Croatia every weekend and you're like, damn, like I'm in an office drinking like a tea from Starbucks. Like what the fuck is my life? Yeah. You need to start thinking about what content is out there that would help you actually like value what you have. And I feel like that's what Sweetheart Club is. Like every time I run across one of your quotes, I'm like, this is what I needed today. So I'm curious where you guys develop the content for this. Is it like weekly or you guys like, Hey, this is what we're feeling this week. This is what we should post about. Like, I want to know more about the strategy behind it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what people might not understand about sweetheart club is like, we might have like a certain amount of followers, but we're still a growing business. Like we both still do other work. We're not a hundred percent on sweetheart club. So like some weeks we'll be like super on it and super have a content plan. And some days I'll, we'll be like, Oh fuck, what are we posting? (laughs) So like, it really depends on like what's going on in our personal lives and with our other work and really like the amount of time that we can allot to it. Yeah. And we get lucky with content too, because like we've had more structure now that we have a newsletter because we're kind of developing questions off books that we like. And like, we're incorporating that into like the daily content, Mm -hmm. but usually we're just like, Oh, like this would be funny. Like it will kind of just come to us because once you start diving into a world of like self love, self care, that's like now what your feed is full of and now what my Pinterest is full of. And now mm-hmm. I'm constantly getting inspired by things because I'm in that world. So right. it's like, it's not just like, Oh, I need to touch on it once. It's like, no dive in. It's fully dive into it. Let it, let it speak to you out of nowhere because now this is the universe you created around yourself. Like this is the environment, the mental environment you've created for yourself. So it's constant out of nowhere. We'll be like, Oh, this will be a good quote. This would be a good quote. This will all the time. So I think it's just about putting yourself in that, that mind place and letting it kind of come to you when it comes, because that's also part of being a creative Yeah, is you can't sit there and force anything. It just has to come and it has to be natural. And the only thing you can do is build up as much as you can, like these walls around yourself that encourage that growth and that creative like interception from the universe. Absolutely. I'm glad you're talking about being a creative because I have that issue too, where I have like a branding consultant that's helping me and she's like, Hey, I have five posts ready to go for next week. And I was like, but I had these weird nights where I get so philosophical that I'm like, I don't want to post about like packing tips for a trip. I want to like post this quote from Gandhi. Whereas then other days I'm like, yeah, I want to do like five tips for good skin. So I don't like planning that far ahead. Yeah. But at the same time, I have to stay consistent. So with you guys both being creatives, like who's in charge of what? How did you decide when you started the business? Like these are our roles. Well, those evolved. Yeah. <laughs> I sure. mean, just like our business evolved, our roles and our, you know, some, some, like when we mentioned that we have a kid's book coming out, uh, we, she brought the idea to me. Uh, we co-wrote it together off of the story that she already had. And then I illustrated it. Mm-hmm. So when I was illustrating, like she was kind of sweetheart full time mm-hmm. and I was checking in once a week. Um, but roles right now, um, she, Tori does a lot of like the content ideas. She's also an amazing video editor. So whenever we, it's so hard. I know mm-hmm. whenever we do video stuff, she's doing that. Um, there it is like the meditations. Now we offer tarot. So she connects with people on tarot awesome. mm-hmm. and all the art, obviously. So right. and the product design, like yeah. we'll come up with products ideas together and then I'll work with makers to, um, to design the product, design the packaging, um, everything from the actual, like the bracelets, the alchemy bracelets, I came up with them with Ostara. And then like, we're working on the marketing side of it together. We kind of do it all. We yeah. have, we just started working with interns, um, a couple months ago and they've been amazing, mm-hmm. amazing additions to what we already started. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So we never had a team. It was kind of just like us working with each other, figuring it all out. Like you said, we pulled the trigger real early. Yeah. And it sounds like now, so it's just you two and then some interns. You haven't even outsourced something. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And that's helpful to have that background. Like I went to grad school for video editing and I was like, what the, how are YouTubers YouTubers? Like this is so long of a process. It would take me like five days to edit five seconds of video. But if you have that skill set. And you guys are illustrating and creating and know how to produce that content, but it's coming naturally. I think that's probably why you're seeing such a positive reaction. It doesn't feel forced to you. Yeah. And we've never reposted everything on our page is original. Yeah. Love that. Um, and that was really important from the beginning that we not just kind of regurgitate what everyone else was saying, especially like there's so much self-care stuff online that's like, you know, just like a thousand candles and like, you know, like all these crystal, you know, mandalas and like, it just kind of encourages this thought of self-care that's kind of unattainable, like so much else on social media. Mm -hmm. So it's so important to us that we have this kind of like real life perception of self-care, like self-care is kind of murky and shitty and working through your stuff. And it's like ugly sometimes Mm -hmm. and you're like in the trenches with yourself. Right. And that's what we hope to present real life tips to work through stuff instead of like this like magical fairyland of self-love. Right. And like also like one of our, my favorite quotes, I think you said one day, like I took a shower today and that's about it, but that's great. Like it's just like bare minimum. Sometimes that's going to be your day and it's realistic and it's okay. One of my favorite things that I just learned was you're going to overestimate what you can do in a day and underestimate what you can do in a decade. And that to me was, I just learned it from, um, uh, Rob. I can't remember his name right now, but I I know I just watched his documentary, but like, to me, it's like so true. Like imagine how much we plan and we're like, Mm -hmm. oh, and then when you feel like you can't get it done, you're like, I'm a failure, but what you can do in a decade is incredible. It's insane. Or even a year. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's because Sweetheart Club is barely a year old. It sounds Mm -hmm. like. Not even. That's crazy. Yeah. And it sounds like something that you guys really thrive in was, you know, wanting everyone to build a community. Like you said, like, not just, oh, this is like a fun thing to look at. Like we want to build a community. And it sounds like people are DMing you. And like you said, going through the same shit, like Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you guys find people reaching out to you most about? And how are you responding to that? Definitely. Like, well, in terms of the community, just to like take this one step further, it's amazing that we've been able to have meetups, like physical Mm -hmm. meetups. And it's turned from an online thing into like, now we'll meet up and have hikes with people. And we'll, or we'll have meditations that Vera will leave with people and just like moments where we'll be able to talk to people. But what I think it comes down to is just like, like definitely we get a lot of relationship questions, but like a lot of like, how, how can I be confident in myself? It's a lot of self-confidence questions because Mm -hmm. I think it's really easy to not be confident if you don't, I mean, just with Instagram, like Mm -hmm. it's just so easy to lose confidence. Like how can you be confident on that in that world? everything is like fake, you (laughs) know, it's like not realistic. So Mm -hmm. I think from what I remember and like, know and feel like I engage with this mostly confidence questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like the response, I mean, we really tell people all the time, like we're not professionals. I mean, I have, I have my train, like my certificate in yoga and meditation, but we are not mental health professionals. So Mm -hmm. like always reminding people, like if you really need help or you need counseling, seek that. It is not shameful at all to seek mental health counseling, therapy. Mm -hmm. That is beautiful that we have the resources to do that, you Mm -hmm. know? 
But then to like remind people that confidence like truly comes from within. It's so rare that confidence comes from your looks. Oh yeah. It's what you, what you can do, what your abilities are, what you know, how you can communicate what you know. And like the more, like I always say, like if you're feeling like low self-confidence, learn something, Mm -hmm. take a class, go on YouTube, do a tutorial, like whatever it is, like Feeding yourself knowledge is going to make you feel better and less insecure. Definitely, because then you're not even focusing on yourself anymore. Right. Then you're not, like, wallowing in your own self-pity. You're not like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not this enough. No, it's like, oh, I'm too busy working on how to learn Adobe. Right. You know? Literally. They're like, Adobe's so hard. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> but, like, you just, like, work on something. Like, yeah. fill up your brain with information that's going to make you forget that you were even insecure in the first place. You guys also did something really cool online with, I think it's like the self-love challenges. Can you talk about those and what those entail? Yeah. That was Tori's idea. Uh, Love it. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's just like another way to engage Mm -hmm. and just like get people to be a part of it. And like, like I said, we had a lot of confidence questions. And so I think they started like maybe eight months ago and we've done three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they've been really cool. It's just amazing to see like how many people love to engage every day because basically the self-love challenge is seven days. You get one activity and a a journal prompt for every day. And then at the very end of it, if you've done all seven days, then you'll win like maybe a candle or a rollerball, whatever your, the prize is, but just to make people go out of their norms and to just be with like 75 to sometimes 200 other people who are going. The last one was like 300 other people. Oh really? Wow. I didn't even know it was that many. Yeah. 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 So like that many people to just like go through, you know, just be like, Oh, I'm going through that. I'm answering this question and somewhere around the world, 299 other people are too. It just makes you feel real. You really start to feel that Instagram community. And mm-hmm. so it really brings it to life. I love the community aspect of that. Yeah. And just like, there is something like, I feel like people get a little nervous. Like, Oh, I don't want to post publicly or like mm-hmm. all of a sudden shift my content to like sharing more vulnerable things. Like, was that something you guys ever dealt with personally on your own Instagram pages, even where it went from like something like really shallow to like, you're like, okay, I have to like start posting something a little more valuable because I recently went through that where I was like, you know, out with my girls, happy hour, this and that. And I was like, this just doesn't feel right to me anymore. Like Mm -hmm. if I'm going to be posting on Instagram, I want it to be like actually valuable. Mm -hmm. But then there was that little voice in my head, like, Oh my God, that's so weird. Who are you? Like, who are you trying to be? Everyone's going to make fun of you. Like Mm -hmm. what type of issues have you guys had? If any, I would say, um, you know, not like we were sugarcoating anything, but Really, like, when the abortion ban stuff came up and we started really speaking about that mm-hmm. on both Sweetheart Club and our personal pages, like, we could, we just couldn't be silent. We had to share our perspective knowing that we had a platform and knowing that we could speak on that and encourage other people to do the same. I think that was, like, a moment for us. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I lost, like, 2,000 followers that day. And I was – my mind was blown. But – And I think even before that for me, like just knowing the people who, because I got my platform from the challenge. So now looking at all the girls who are on the challenge and seeing everybody's platform grow from that and what they're posting is like booty pics every day. It's like, cool sis, like, Mm -hmm. like, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to be grouped in with that Mm -hmm. because I don't believe Instagram should be used for that. Right. That's why like every other piece of my personal content, I'll have like a selfie, but then I'll have, or I'll have a picture, but then I'll have a quote. Mm-hmm. And it blows my mind to see how many likes you get on a quote versus how many I'll get on like a selfie. Like That's I'll crazy. get 34,000 likes on a picture of myself. I'll get like four, like 2,000 to 5,000, maybe 6,000 likes on a quote. I mean, the difference is insane, but that that's because to me, I, and I say it to all my girlfriends, I'm like, listen, like 
eventually people are going to get tired of looking at you. What do you, what can you offer people? Right. You know? And like how, like that's what people want. People Mm -hmm. want to be able to grow with people. And I think there shouldn't be a fear of that. You shouldn't be afraid to speak your mind. Shouldn't be afraid to say, Oh, we don't believe in this or we do because everybody has an opinion. And the more we are afraid of it, then we're just sugar. We're just, we're just shutting ourselves off from the world Mm -hmm. because then think, I think about all the people I gained from posting about the abortion and we gained from posting about the abortion People were like, wow, like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Right. And then you create, you might lose people, but then you create stronger relationships when you start to become more real and right. more, more vulnerable and just more authentic online. And I think that's something that no matter what is going to shift with Instagram. Mm-hmm. It has to, because the way the culture is right now, it's impossible for it to thrive like this forever because people are just going to be over it eventually. Right. There's going to be a new platform where it's going to be like video streaming or something like Something like that, where it's going to get, it's going to become different than a picture. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to have to start offering more substance because people are going to be craving it. Oh, absolutely. And even with you guys like saying that you lost followers, but it, you probably also kept around a really loyal group of people too that yeah. are like, where you're here, like by your side, it almost in a way like cuts the fat that you're like, exactly. I don't want you in my circle. Like anyways, if that's what you believe. Yeah, exactly. And so there's a weird thing when people are like content creators or posting on Instagram where there is this like business side of it where you're like oh like followers and engagement rate and analytics like does that play a role in what you guys post uh does that dictate what you're posting like where does that come into play at all so i think what people get so you know ultra focused on is like how many followers i have especially for a business and that's kind of negating like the people that already are part of the community i mean we have so many direct message conversations with our with our audience and like just built like continuing to deepen and build the relationships that are already there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we don't value what we already have, like how are we going to gain more? Right. And like nurture those relationships because it's like, it's fleeting. If it's just, Oh, we got 10,000 followers. Cool. But there's this thing now that I've noticed where people will follow you like three photos and like see if you will follow in the back and then like unfollow you. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what is this like weird gaming system that we're all doing? It's like baiting. I've noticed a lot of times people start following me and then unfollow me just to try and like get their engagement rate up. And then there's like, we're all trying to game the system. But I'm like, I don't have time for that. And I don't want to build a following based on like baiting them. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want you to follow me because you like what I post and vice versa. Like, what are your thoughts on this whole like gaming system of Instagram. Well, we see that a lot with like spiritual brands or uh, wellness brands. And it's just like, I just have to laugh. I'm like, you are not practicing what you preach. Like, how is this in any way aligned mm-hmm. with, with right. what you're talking about? Like, it makes no sense that yeah. that's what you care about. But then you're also supposed to not care about. It's so weird. Yeah. I mean, it definitely speaks to the fact that, you know, it just shows what people are really trying to achieve in society, you know, and that's just not the case with our brand. And like, we don't, we're, we're just trying to create content that, and we want to connect with as many people as possible for sure, Mm -hmm. but we're not going to go out of our way to do it if it doesn't, if it doesn't feel meaningful. And that's why like DMing people that we already like already follow us and actually creating relationships is important because Mm -hmm. it is about helping people. It's not about being the most famous brand in the world. Right. Because that's just something that is not worth chasing. No. And like I said, that I feel like that's fleeting anyway. It's like, okay, what? You're going to hit a million followers and then what? You want 5 million. You're going to want 20 five. million. Then yeah. you want, and it's like, okay, you're always going to be chasing that next step instead of being like, look at the like 50,000 people that have been loyal ride or dies from day one. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't we just keep focusing on them? Yeah. yeah. But there is such a weird like analytics and business game behind everything too. Cause it's like, well, we do have to look at what's performing well, but 
like even with my podcast, someone was like, how many downloads do you get per episode? And I was like, I haven't looked in like four weeks because I can see the response on Instagram when people DM me or say like, thank you. This is so helpful. Mm -hmm. Like even one of those messages, I'm like, I'm happy with what I'm posting. Mm -hmm. Of course, eventually if I ever wanted to like pitch myself to a network, I would have to look at those things. But I'm like, that's not what I care about. I'm not like, yay, 10,000 downloads. I'm like, did five people message me and like this like completely changed my day. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you guys get a lot of those messages too. Yeah. What are like some of the messages you've gotten that you're like, wow, I feel like we just really transformed this like person's life. I mean, that's, yeah, we'll get just messages like that are just like, you know, thank you. And like, you know, this post meant everything to me. And like, it's, that's why we do it. Mm -hmm. And like, that's why we do it for us too. I mean, when somebody else posts something out there, that's, that's like, that makes me feel that way. I DM them. I'm like, thank you. Right. And like, I do the same thing. It's, I think it's just about affecting people positively. And those messages about changing people's lives are the, core reason why we do anything that we do right totally and we're always like we are saying these things because we need to hear them ourselves Mm -hmm. like we need to be constantly reminding ourselves all of these things that we're putting out there yeah what about this children's book like what i know tori came up with the idea Mm -hmm. you illustrated it why a children's book versus anything else well so when i was working on this idea i was actually in the challenge house and i was bored out of my fucking mind because you don't have a phone you don't have tv you don't have anything so i mean my i'm a creative so my brain's like and i'm just like coloring with a colored pencil i might have had like one colored pencil and like a notebook and oh so my god that's what i had and then that's how the idea developed and i loved the world like i lived in the world a little bit when i created it and the characters have changed very much since. It's just, I wish we could, like, kind of go more into detail on the characters because to know what they started at and then once once I got with Vera and we worked on it, what's, what they've turned into, mm-hmm. it's literally what, like watching a child grow up. Oh, my gosh. And it's it's just been amazing. So I think it the story itself, and I wrote that with Vera, too, like, the the path was always there, but the the beautiful lace didn't intertwine at all. Like that came from we spent twenty hours developing the nice. characters and the story, but it was enough to make it something so special. So the story itself has like a message, obviously, as any children's children's book should, and it, it rhymes. Everything rhymes, and her hand her hand drawn illustrations are just like knockout. They're oh so great, and we've been working on it for longer than we worked on Sweetheart. Wow! So that's why releasing this book is going to be so big for us because this is the one thing that we have that's why we started to work together after music again was because of this book so it's going to be amazing and it's funny because when we were doing like research on the children's book market we're like okay like let's go out there and see what's out there not to knock any of the children's book right but we're like our book is the shit (laughs) yeah (laughs) our book like knocks these books out of the park like this is gonna be and like i mean i I wish like i said i wish we could go into it so much more right i like my heart Spews love. When we're oh my god! I cannot I wait love to read it. it. I'm so will cry talking about the book. <laughs> baby, literally. I've recited it because yeah. I have it memorized. I've recited it to a man before in Nobu. We were like a forty-year-old man. We're sitting at Nobu having a drink. I recited it to him. Forty-year-old man bawling his eyes out. No, he was like, "This is beautiful." <laughs> I brought him back to his childhood. I cannot wait to see this. Oh, it's fucking incredible. Yeah, That's I mean, so and fun. for us, like you know we both have nephews and nieces Mm -hmm. and like, it was just so important for us to create something that had that like magical element that we remember from our childhood, like the hand-drawn illustrations, like classical books. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we see so, yeah, again, not to knock what's on the market right now, but you know, we go to our sister's houses where they have tons of kids books and it's just like, it's just like digital 
digital art feels like it was done in five minutes. Mm -hmm. And so we're just really proud of the time and the love that we poured into this project. It's an experience. Like it's something that parents are going to love to read because it's delicious. There's it's completely interlaced with all different types of food and the characters are incredibly creative and the parents are going to enjoy reading it just as much as the kids are going to love looking at it. I love that because it's just, it's just an experience and it rhymes. So it's extremely oh, pleasant. So on words. Yes. Oh, my nephews, when I go home, they make, may make me recite it to them. Oh my God. It's so the they're the uh, early adopters of the book. Oh, they totally. were like, they were like the first, you know, yeah. workshop. Oh of yeah. The ideas. Like the <laughs> four year old and two year old. Yeah. Like, oh, I love it. We like this. Research. We don't like this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> four year old. Yeah. Love it. What but, about like, well, as you, you're writing this book, I'm sure you guys ran into obstacles and even with the business and I'm sure being friends, there's a weird like line that you're like, Definitely. we're business partners, but we're friends. So when you do run into those obstacles, how do you handle them? Well, like yesterday was like a, such a great example. Like we have so much to do from now until like October 15th. And yesterday was just one of those days where I was like, I feel like I'm dead. And here <laughs> I was like, let's just go for a hike and we'll do it tomorrow. And like, it's separating friendship and work time and also knowing that sometimes your friendship needs to take priority over the work time mm-hmm. and sometimes the work time has to take a priority over friendship but, but being malleable like that being able to work with each other yeah I think um other setbacks have, are like you know problems with our business we learned very like we've we've had a quick fast track learning about business this year because neither of us have had very much business background um, I mean, I freelance illustrate, but like, it, this is a whole other ball game. Mm-hmm. And so we learned that, you know, we were like making like 500 here, a thousand here. And like, we would just like split our profit and like pocket it. And halfway through, we were like, wait, we need to be saving this and reinvesting it in our business. And that was like when things changed for us and we could actually like, you know, invest in new products. And so like, if you're starting a new business, any profit that you make at the beginning, do not spend it. Mm-hmm. Invest it in your business. That's my number one advice. Totally. What is yours? Like business tip? My business tip would probably just be get ready for a 24-hour job. <laughs> because even when you're off the clock, your mind's going to be thinking mm-hmm. about things. So, you know, self-care is super important. Getting in that like workout at least or eating correctly or just anything that's going to keep you in a good place because it's a 24-hour job. You'll never not be thinking about it if it's a business you created. And you guys are both in relationships, right? Mm-hmm. What about balancing relationships in the business? Have you had problems or either of your partners are like, hey, like you've been neglecting me or like you th- you're putting way too much time to this. Like what about us? Or is it a more supportive I think system? Because my partner is the same way I am. It's just, we just interlace. We just get it. It's not mm-hmm. even a thing. And like anything I can do to help him out, I'm always there. Anything he can do to help me out, he's always there. If he needs to like create a wood panel for us to like put our jewelry to display on, he'll do it. I if that. I need to physically be there to like get people coffee on like a shoot, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. So we're just like super supportive. We kind of grew up in that world together. So it's been really easy for us at least. That's Yeah. I have a similar experience. I mean, I've been with my boyfriend for a really like almost seven years and like he also is a freelancer. So we just have like, you know, sometimes we'll be working until four in the morning and like we have a pretty non-traditional workflow for both of us. So, you know, if he's, if he's working on something like we work on projects. So it's like, Sometimes we'll be so busy and then sometimes we'll have nothing to do. And that's just like, it's just like this ebb and flow of 
work in our house. Yeah. And I think that's that like the daily struggles aren't the struggles. It's the not, it's knowing that maybe you won't have a job in six months. That's Mm -hmm. the struggle. It's being comfortable with being like, okay, well, if shit hits the fan, at least you can live in the car. (laughs) And like knowing that like we're living and fighting for our dreams and it's, it could go incredibly right or it could go incredibly wrong. So just kind of like gear up and be ready. I think that's the bigger struggle than the daily struggle. Yeah. Just trusting, like Mm. just trusting, you know, our, both of our, skills and both of our ability to get more work once a project's finished I mean it's just like this constant trust like it's gonna come around Mm -hmm. I know it's just you know waiting for it that's been a big theme in the last few podcasts I've done with creative people is like faith they're like I didn't have any guarantee that I was gonna make x amount of dollars in three months on this date like there's literally no guarantee yeah even now like this podcast could take off or completely tank like you literally don't know it's just what you're doing to stay consistent and like keep at it but Faith is such a big part of it. Like, even with Australia, people are like, so what, you don't have a job. Mm-hmm. You don't really know anyone. You, What are you like? Did you save a million dollars? Like, what's happening? And I was like, I can't describe it, but I'm sure you guys know that feeling. It's like this gut faith feeling like I know it's going to work out and be okay. Yeah. And I think we're all resourceful enough where we're not going to end up on the streets in a mattress, like prayers up that doesn't right, happen. Right. But I think we all have the wherewithal to be like, I wouldn't be putting this much time and effort into it if I thought I was going to completely crash. What made you want to go to Australia? When did you decide that you were going to go there? I decided probably about a year ago. I've always wanted to live abroad. Like I wanted to after college. I wanted to live in Spain. Then I wanted to open an office in the UK with my company. And then everything just kept like not working out. And then my friend was like, you should look into Australia. I was like, too far. Don't know anyone. Don't even like know what it has outside of like beaches and wildlife. Like Mm -hmm. no thanks. Mm -hmm. And then... I kept looking into it because everything like the UK thing was just like everything was just not going right. And then everything was getting pushed back. And I was like, okay, let me look into the Australia thing. And there's a working holiday visa that's a year long. And it literally was made for 18 to 30 year olds to travel and work. And it's called the working holiday visa, which means basically vacation. Right. And I was like, wait, what? This is like a real thing. And so I applied and I got it within five minutes. And I was like, oh shit, like this is real. Like I have to do it. And then Oh my God, you guys are, I almost like cried telling this story because I told my mom I've like been dying to live abroad, but I need to wait until my passport comes and all these different things. Like I needed a new passport. All these like weird things were just not working out for me. Mm-hmm. And then the day I got my new passport is when I could apply to the application I got in. It was 8818. So three eights and then eight is the infinity sign. I literally can't. I, I literally can't. was like, I literally can't. I like call my mom crying. I was like, what's happening? The universe is like with me. And That's then amazing. ever since then, it's been all these little signs that like I wasn't getting in the past. And I'm like, you have to follow those little signs of like every person I've told that I'm moving. They're like, here's five people I know. One lives right here. One, someone works in this industry. Someone has a podcast network. You're like, what? Like, I didn't even know yeah. three people there. And now I have like 20 online people that I could connect with. But it's just, like, trusting that process of, like, mm-hmm. I know things are going to be okay. Like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I might have to work at a coffee shop and online. But, like, who cares? I'm going to make ends meet. But That's so amazing. Yeah, I was like, I, this is it. Like, I have to go. I'm And because I'm turning 29 soon, yeah. there's an age limit on it. And I was like, when am I going to do it? Well, I don't have, exactly. I don't have pets. I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have a husband. I have, like, nothing holding yeah. me back. So oh I was like, God. I just got to go. But yeah, now you need to write a book about it. I'm like, that's why I want to do a podcast. Like, yeah, document like, something. Document. I just read this book called Eat, Pray, Fuck My Life. Oh my God. I was like, Eat, Pray, Love? No, it's Eat, Pray, Fuck My Life. But I'm like halfway through it right now. It's going to be one of the books that we do in our newsletter. But like this, it just, I love the idea of going abroad and just living like what's next. Because Wait, everybody I need to read that. It's amazing. It's literally amazing. Because I've been calling it my Eat, Pray, Love journey. And I, I haven't even read the book or watched the movie. But I was like, <laughs> I'm literally going to Bali 
in August to do yoga teacher training. And then yes. like I don't, I'm like, I don't really have a job. So I was like, it's eat, pray, love. But eat, pray, fuck my life is a better oh, representation. Yeah. Well, it's just, I think she's like younger. She's, yeah. been, she's like, it, her story is incredible. She went through a divorce and her husband left her for a 19 year old girl. Oh, and wow. then like this guy was like, let's go on a trip. He fell in love with her and then left her at the airport. Oh, so then she's like, I'm going on the trip alone. Oh, I'm going God. to so a month in Europe. It's just sick. And you're like, your story is obviously your own. And very right. But still, it's like pulling the trigger and you're doing right. it. And it's like, not knowing what's going to be happen- happening next, but trusting those signs. Mm-hmm. So yeah. big in numerology. So it's like, oh, yeah. if I see numbers that line up, I'm like, follow it. Oh, yeah. I was like, that That 8818. I didn't even realize it until my aunt told me. And I was like, what? Sounds like, crazy. Okay, that's crazy. Yeah. So I like to follow those, like, divine timing signs and, like, manifestation. I feel yeah. like you guys do, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I mean, similar but different. Like, I moved... My boyfriend and I, like, had a little bit of a hard time at one point, and we broke up. I just was, like, I was like, living in New York my whole life. I was, like, fuck it. I'm moving to L.A. Got to L.A. I was, like, I'm going to Mexico. <laughs> you know, like, you just have to go with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you have $2,000, if you have $1,000, you know that you can replace that. Like, I would, I would never limit myself to have an experience to, like, have – have like X amount in the bank because I know Mm -hmm. I just have blind faith that I'm going to be able to make an income and make it work. Because you can trust your skills. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a skill set. You know that you're an able-bodied person. So Mm -hmm. you know that you'll be able to serve in a coffee shop if you need to. Right. You might have to have a little bit of a job, but Mm -hmm. you should definitely – have you read The Alchemist? No. You should also read that. Okay, I need it. You have a 14 hour flight tomorrow. Yes. So I need yeah, go to the books I actually am. I'm literally – Oh, The Alchemist is really good. Okay. Um, something that I want to talk about a little bit more though is manifestation. Like Mm -hmm. when I talk about it, I like get chills because I'm like, I think anyone can manifest the life of the dreams. When I talk to other people about it, they're like, okay, yeah, I've been manifesting a million dollars. Hasn't popped in my lap yet. And I like to tell people, I'm like, it's not a game show where you're like like a genie that you rub a bottle and then boom, here's your new life. Yeah. You have to do the work. So what are some things that you've manifested or wanted to manifest that you're currently working towards or, or have actually like seen? come through I definitely oh my god I I have I wish I could really talk about this but I can't because it's just like not the time but I have in the past year completely manifested something and it really came down to working at it every day believing it every day like mm-hmm. going through the pain of, of working through it getting physically stronger getting mentally stronger and then getting to a point where I'm like even like I pulled a, a card for myself before I left uh, for whatever this project I was working on. And mm-hmm. like, just like really, really, I knew the card I was going to pull before I pulled it. I knew I was going to pull the strength card. I turned it over, pulled the strength card. When I left, I went to go do this thing on the strength card. It's a woman closing the mouth of a lion <gasps> and I saw lions everywhere. And I just, oh, same thing. God. Like, I'm just like, I knew I was, but it took like probably six weeks of mental preparation, knowing every day, one day I was going to be leaving and going to, to this like right. thing or whatever. But, and I wish I could talk more about it. Yeah. But it was, it definitely comes down to being an everyday practice mm-hmm. and I totally believe in it. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I think that people have this concept of like, it's like very selfish manifestation. Like I, I feel like, you know, we, we all have this thing like manifest, manifest, like new year's resolution manifestors. Like, mm-hmm. but it, it's so often so selfishly driven. It's like, why do you want more? Why do you want more money? Or why do you want this opportunity? And if it's not, 
to be able to get to a place where you can give back more, you're not going to get it. Yeah, Like, definitely. if you want money for the sake of money, like, you're not going to get it. Right. If you want money so you can turn around and increase your skills and learn how to build or give back to a community, like, there, it's the universe is going to be like, why? Why should I give you this? Mm-hmm. Right. And, like, we talk about this, too, a lot on Sweetheart Club. Like, um, if you don't value what you already have, if you don't have gratitude for what you have already been given, how dare you ask for more? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, oh, God, I, like, hate that I have this job. It's like, no, you have this – you have a job. Like, mm-hmm. you should be so grateful that you have a job. Yes. Or, like – Or even that you have a phone to read this post right. on Instagram. Yes. Like, exactly. You have yes. a phone, yeah. Right? Yeah. And probably an iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, like, I'll share a story. Um, like, a year and a half ago – I was working at a restaurant. I was not happy that I was working at a restaurant, but I was just doing it because it was really steady income and I got fired. And instead of being, I mean, it hurt my ego for a second, but at the same time, like the universe was like, get out of there. Like you Mm -hmm. are not meant to be there anymore. And within that first week of getting fired is when I got my first art commission. And then I, from there kept getting my art, getting art commissions just like through Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then I'm now doing art full time. And like, I think that's just so indicative of like, you just got to trust that the universe has your back (laughs) and it's going to place you in the right places. And like, that was like this kind of like divine trust in what was going to happen. But I also like, it's like, you have to have faith that's going to happen. Things are going to happen, but you also have to work with manifestation at the same time too. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, like I said, it's not like rub a genie in a bottle and right. it just pops up in your room. Like, yeah. that's not how it works. Yeah. I, I think people don't realize, like, all the steps you have to take. And it sounds like these were daily practices that you were doing. And mm-hmm. it sounds like journaling is one of them. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you guys were doing to, like, Meditate. really keep that blind faith? Yeah, meditating and also looking for all different types of people who lead meditations and, like, positive people who have, like, positive um, like talks mm-hmm. and just listening more and more and just diving deeper into, because if it's like, I know I want to improve myself, but how can I improve my, improve myself if I'm the one that needs to be improved? Mm-hmm. It's not, that's not how it works. I need to outsource somebody right. to help improve me mm-hmm. and I need to listen to more and more. So it's like diving into more books. So I was reading the seven habits of highly effective people right before that time. And that changed my life. And like listening to like Alan Watts and like listening to just all these people to help stimulate growth just knowing that I need, I need more information. I need to grow more. Let me be willing to listen and then learn from it and then practice it daily. Mm-hmm. And it's just constant. Yeah. There's this phrase or like there's a saying that if you want to will something into being or into manifestation, you do it and then you put it away and you wait 30 days because it's like, if you set an intention, it's going to develop. But if you keep trying to go back to the same thing and like work on it and force it, it's like the work is trying to be done. So mm-hmm. you don't need to continue to like muscle it and force right. it because mm-hmm. forcing anything doesn't work. Totally. It just doesn't work. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. And it's like the creative energy. It's like you have to let it come to you too. It's like you can't decide when you have an epiphany. Right. That doesn't happen. You no. don't just go, today I'm going to change my life. Like, yeah. no, it happens. It just mm-hmm. happens. And you just have to be open for it and willing. Right. And something that I've learned about manifestation too is I think it's, what is it, like not using negative words like you're not supposed to say i don't want this you're supposed to say i want this so that's something that i have to practice too i was like 
I really don't want to live in a shitty apartment in mm-hmm. Sydney. It's like, no, you have to say, I want to have abundance enough that I can choose where I want to live. But yeah. I'm like, it is such a mind practice that you like literally yeah. have to sit down and write it out or do it. But I'm like, it's annoying sometimes. But I'm like, no, if that's what I want. Like, like you said earlier, if I'm like, Ugh, I can't really handle that already. The universe is like, okay, well then I'm just going to not give you anything. Right. Because yeah. you can't even handle what you already have. So let's just cap it off here. We did um, a negative thought tracker on one of our self-love weeks. Oh and gosh. it was, you have to, every time you have a negative thought, you have to be conscious of it. You have to recognize you're having one, write it down and turn it into a positive. I love and that. I think I counted like 32 negative thoughts for myself. And I'm like, even from just like looking at this thing, like, Oh fuck, I want more. Like, no, I need to be like, Oh, it's half full. Yeah. Like it's just like, it's just being conscious of, of negativity. That's a, even that's powerful in itself right and then changing it there's this really weird question i have that was not on the list that i sent you and it's something that always pops up in my my mind as like um an insecurity is like when i think of like self-care and spirituality there's also this part of me that's like oh if i'm into that lifestyle i can't get botox or piercings or tattoos like that's not spiritual and we're all here with tattoos and piercings and i just got botox last week yeah everyone has done their own little things. Mm -hmm. And so people are like, what are your thoughts on like criticism of that side of self care? I definitely think that like being stuck in the vanity portion of like, Oh my God, I want to look like this person. I mean, like that's, that's a sickness. And, but you know, I personally believe if you are so insecure and you want to like enhance, like I got a boob job, I was so insecure. I wouldn't take my shirt off during sex. I was that insecure about myself. And so I looked at it as an act of self-love. Mm-hmm. I looked at it as like, I thought about it for a long time. I She's really, been thinking about it since we met. Yeah, for a long for time. years. For literal years. And I was finally like, you know what, Tori? Like, at the end of the day, it's you and you and your body. And mm-hmm. it's, it's you're the one that has to sleep with other people. You're the one who has to look at yourself in the mirror. And you have to feel good about you. So you deserve to do it. And, like, if people are going to comment and say that's not self-love, then you know what? So be it. That's right. just, that's the world that we live in. People are always going to say something negative no matter what. So I looked at it as if you don't, you know, you can't be greedy with it. I'm not going to go sit over here and get everything done to myself. Everybody wants to change a bunch of things about themselves. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in being greedy with it. If it's something that you're like, oh, I kind of want to get it done, don't get it done. Right. If it's something where it, like this, I feel like really changed my life mm-hmm. and this is going to make me feel a lot better, then I think you deserve it. Right. And obviously don't go broke trying to, okay, yeah. trying to get it. You know, <laughs> yeah. make sure you're in a good place because vanity should always come second, but feeling good. Our bandage should never come, you know, right. but you know, feeling good about yourself and being confident, I think it's, it's okay. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, there's just like in this spiritual world or wellness world, like there's a tendency for people to get super PC about things. And like, you know, it's just like, why are you fighting this fight? Like, could you be putting your energy somewhere more useful? Mm-hmm. Like then making, making judgments, literally making judgments on what someone else has chosen to do with themselves. Um, somebody can have had work done and be extremely spiritually grounded. Um, or they couldn't. And it's really person to person. I've never had any work done. Maybe I, in 10, five years, I'll feel differently, but I, I just trust that I'm going to work with my own mind and my own body to make the best decisions for myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When the time comes, it's like, you don't, there should never be like society shouldn't be making you feel like you need to do this, right. but if you are in that place and you should work with yourself too. Yeah. Just be your friend. And, your friend. Yeah. And if we're like going the super spiritual route that we're like just souls and manifesting in like physical bodies, it's like, this is temporary. So if like 
if I want to get a sleeve and get a septum piercing, like who cares? Like totally. I might come back in another life being like a nun with no tattoos. Like it's just such a weird thing that people care that much. Like you were saying. And I, I always think about this, like there's probably 50% of people are probably like, Oh my God, Tori, I love that you got a boob job. Like, so good for you. Like get it girl. And there's probably people like, what the fuck? Like you just ruin your body. And it's like, either way, there's always going to be a 50, 50 split. So Definitely. why not just go for the, the way that you're like feeling totally exactly like, no one's ever going to be like 100% aligned with your decisions and I actually think it's weird when people want everyone to like them because it's like we have so many different personalities in the world how could all these different personalities possibly like right. you like it's yeah. just a weird concept when people are people pleasers but have you guys experienced like trying to please everyone or like make sure you're you know keeping up with sweetheart club, like making sure everyone likes the brand and like what criticisms have you faced and dealt with in that regard? I mean, I think that's kind of been a personal struggle all of my life, just like wanting people to like me in a room. And just as time's grown, you just realize it's just an impossible achievement. And I think with sweetheart club, like, and my own personal page, the more we talked about really big political issues, that's when we started to see like, okay, like we're allowed to stand up for what, what we believe in. And then we'll develop closer relationships with the people who do follow us. Mm-hmm. Or we're going to lose people that are honestly good. Right. Most of the guys that stopped following me after the abortion man were the guys that would come. It was like, nice, nice, but Yeah. Like, and you're like, mm, bye. You can go away with that comment anyway. Yeah. Like, that, that's not why I'm like, right. you know? So I think that, um, I definitely think that just like keeping, keeping it real and honest is, is just the way to go. And so what if you're polarizing? Mm-hmm. So what? Because that's what makes people think. Right. And like, nobody's going to agree. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like how the world is and people yeah. should feel confident in their beliefs and their differences. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, we've, we face a little bit of criticism in terms of like we do, I mean, I am a yoga meditation teacher and with that, you know, like yoga is culturally appropriating, you know, like we did not as Americans start that. And, and when we're working in a wellness practice, it's like we are going to take other people's ideas and going to take other cultural, like, um, you know, methods from, you know, from our ancestors, but from other people's ancestors. And like, so we have run into a few things where people have been like, well, you used this word, you use that word. And to either be like, thank you so much. I didn't know that. And to modify or to be like, well, actually I do have this experience as a yoga teacher and mm-hmm. I am entrenched in that world. And therefore I feel comfortable using it, but thank you for the feedback, you know? Right. So it's just like really learning your own voice and knowing that you can trust if you have an opinion about something to stand up for it and mm-hmm. be like, not be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, right. be like, actually, thank you. But right. X. And it sounds like you guys are open to constructive criticism, but not if people are like this post fucking sucks. Totally. Like, 100%. Oh, okay. that's not even constructive feedback because but, we don't want to offend anybody. Right. You know what I mean? Nothing that we ever do is meant to offend. Mm -hmm. And I think it's always just kind of about like just being free and just like promoting what we believe in. But like even the spirit animal shirt that we have, well, had, we don't have shirts anymore, but had, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody had messaged us and they said that, you know, it's a native American thing, but like it's in a sense, just kind of like yoga. So many, like the culture has kind of engulfed in spirit animal and what that is. Not that it's right or wrong. And we never meant to offend the native American culture. And I think that it's just kind of knowing that, sometimes with what's going on in the culture is probably cultural appropriation regardless. So it's like, are you going to dive into it or are you going to make sure that you don't offend anybody? And people, I mean, those kind of subjects like kind of go in waves or phases. Like people will have like this level of offend offendedness over certain things. And then it's not an issue. And so like with the spirit animal shirt, we did polls. We said, 
does it, is this offensive? Is this not offensive? We really want to hear your feedback. And we had, we had people saying it is offensive. And then we had people of Native American descent messaging us and saying, this is not offensive at all. Like, why are these white people going crazy over this? Yeah. So like, you know, there's just like a gamut of different opinions mm-hmm. and, and you really just have to, again, trust your gut of what is the right move for yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Right. I think the theme is like literally trusting your gut. Mm-hmm. It's just like having that blind faith. And I'm glad that you guys actually even took the time to reach out and do these polls and questions because I feel like a lot of people just throw it out there and see what happens. But mm-hmm. I think people also need to ask themselves, like, what are they doing? If they are providing this constructive criticism Are for the Native American example, are they like out supporting those organizations? Are they going to charity events? Are they like speaking out? Or is it just like, I wanted to comment on something today just to like be a troll because that's yeah. a whole different com- comment and conversation. And that's, that's honestly, that's one of the other outlets that social media has provided people is just being a, an outlet for negativity. And so that there's a big, there has to be like, you have to be able to understand that there's a difference. Some people are just going to comment to talk shit because that's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. I get some ridiculous comments, like ridiculous. Like I posted a video of me like on the toilet the other day. And I was like, ain't nothing to it, but to poo it. And somebody was like, you dumbass white bitch. Like, oh my how did that even call for that? Yeah. You know, something like that. So I just feel like, you know, she, somebody just wanted to be a hater. There's going to be a bunch of people out there that want to use social media as, as an outlet for them to put their hate into the world because who knows what they're getting in their real life. Right. So you have to put that guard up and just be prepared. Like, people may hate you, but that doesn't mean that you're not worthy of love or that you shouldn't love yourself or right. all the above, you know, or change your whole brand or strategy right. or anything. Really not. Because no. right. Yeah. It's like, oh, this one person said something. There's just a, a vulnerability when you do start an online business that you have to realize there's going to be like negativity no matter mm-hmm. what. So if you go in thinking everything's going to be rainbows and fairies and everyone's going to agree with me, that's not true. Even if you have a self-love brand. Right. Yeah. True. You know, and like we are, we probably should receive the most love out of anybody because right. that's what we're encouraging, but doesn't matter oh my gosh what about anxiety and depression because i actually feel like in the past six months to a year i'm seeing a ton of people come out that they have like crippling anxiety they're talking about it like even on highlights on instagram there's like an anxiety icon now for like how to deal with it is that something that you guys have ever dealt with and how did you overcome oh it? yeah every day we both we both <laughs> have anxiety and like take turns calming each other down yeah <laughs> oh yeah i mean like it's exactly what it is i think it's just an over like anxiety is fear of the future, depression is fear of uh, sadness from the past, mm. you know? And like, that's the easiest way for me to break it down in my mind. I forget. Maybe it was you who told me that. I didn't say that. Somebody, somebody <laughs> told me. smart. But somebody, <laughs> <laughs> but somebody said that, or I read that somewhere. And that just made me like, remember, you know, you have to put faith and trust into the universe because I could sit here and worry about tomorrow and the next day and then the next year and the next month and then my grandkids. And then I'm like, oh, oh fuck, I'm so yeah. worried. Like, there's just so much to worry about right, right. now. But, you can't. And so when you get in those modes, like what I have to do when I get like a full on anxiety attack, I literally had one the other day. I was leaving London. I was on the way to the airport. I had a full blown, I couldn't breathe. I thought I was going at my arms started like, oh my God. like I was, I thought I was going to die. And I was just with Jordan, my boyfriend. And I was just like, he was, he had to talk me through it. Being with somebody who's like, like aware of, of an anxiety attack or like breathing mm-hmm. and talking the most positive thoughts. I mean, I was talking to myself like I was a child. I'm like, everything is okay. Even if I die in this cab, like at least my family loves me. I mean, that's how bad my anxiety attack was. Like I was on, it was that level of anxiety. I was like, even if I die, my family loves me. And who knows where I'll go? Who knows where the next place is, but maybe it'll be okay. And I I think I've done enough in this life. And it's just like, you know, just trying to like 
be mm-hmm. so positive. And then eventually it's like, okay, 10 hours later, I'm like, my hangover, my, my anxiety is over. Now I just have an anxiety hangover and I'm just going to get through it and yeah. one day at a time. Yeah. I think that when you don't, when you haven't experienced anxiety, people don't realize, like people without anxiety don't realize how physical anxiety is. Yeah. Like I, I feel on a day-to-day basis since I stopped drinking, my anxiety has gone way down. Like weeks go by where I don't have anxiety. But then sometimes it will really just show itself and I really feel like anxiety is a message. Like we, our body is so smart. It's Mm -hmm. trying to tell you something like, Hey, you need to think about this. Hey, you need sleep. Like, Mm -hmm. so I feel now like anxiety is like when I feel anxiety, I'm like, Oh great. It's a message. What is, what am I trying to understand right now? Totally. That's a great way to look at it. But when I'm in the moment, like my hands are sweating, I feel like I'm going to fall over. Like Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I can stand up Mm -hmm. and I like, my biggest tip when I have anxiety is just to get into child's pose, a yoga pose where your head is on the ground, where you're making connection to the earth and just like feeling the ground. I just sounds a little like whatever, but like, I mean, get on the, get on the ground. Yeah. I want to do it right now. It's like like an earthquake. Just get on the ground. Yeah. Get on the ground. Stop, drop and roll. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. But I'm someone that I don't suffer from anxiety. Like when you're saying I don't like people don't understand the physical manifestations. I'm one of those people that I'm like, I don't understand when people just get these attacks out of nowhere. And then I talked to a guest that was basically telling me there's a difference between being like very stressed out and anxious. Like you'll, you could just be walking down to get groceries and all of a sudden there's this wave of like panic that you're Mm -hmm. like, Whoa, where did this come from? And I was like, Oh, see that. I'm glad we talked about this because I think people might just be like, Oh, I have a really stressful project do tomorrow that I haven't started. Now I'm going to be stressed the rest of the day versus anxiety. Like how do you define the two? So I find that I have anxiety when I have multiple different thoughts and neat things that I need to process coming in at the same time. And it's like my, it's like my computer just like shuts down. Mm. And so when, when I have anxiety, I know like, okay, I need to like write a list. I need to like literally grid map out all the different components of my life that are stressors because when you have anxiety, everything just like piles into one problem and it feels impossible to, it's like an impossible mountain to climb. So what really helps me is just like writing down all the different factors. Like, oh, rent's due. Oh, I have to write this really tough email back. Oh, I have some stress with a family member. Like really just like mapping out mm-hmm. all of the different stressors that are feeling like one big ball of anxiety. Right. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. Like compartmentalizing it. Almost. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a so you can checklist to get deal with through. one thing at a time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And just like, like there's, there's just too much to stress in the world. You could stress the end of the world, you know, mm-hmm. like you could literally <laughs> stress everything. So right. there's always going to be an endless amount to stress. You have to find just kind of like baby steps with yourself when you get into a place like that. Absolutely. We're in LA right now and everywhere I walk, there's like a meditation center, an acupuncture center, yoga studio, whatever. It's such a wellness hub, Mm -hmm. but people that aren't in LA don't, we don't really have access to these resources. Like I'm from a small beach town that there's probably like one Chinese herbalist and that's it. Mm -hmm. So for people that are listening that aren't necessarily in these like wellness hubs or don't want to spend the money, what Mm -hmm. do you guys recommend for them to do to like really start a self-care practice? I mean, if you have access to the internet and you have access to uh, online meditations or even like YouTube yoga or just like anything, if you have access to the internet, you can really come across so many great things. Mm-hmm. And also self-help books 
And I think listening to audiobooks has really been helpful to me. So I think you can create a safe place in your house, a safe room where you practice and you go to daily where you're either learning information or you're practicing something. That's amazing. I agree with that. Yeah. Because I'm like, you kind of goes back to like the beauty and vanity thing. Like, no, you don't need to be like booking a facial, then buying 45 new face roller tools on Amazon. Like, no, this is I more self-care than like, <laughs> working on your mental state is way more self-care than it is right. like, getting a facial. Yeah. And you can be as pretty and glowy and doing on the outside. But if you're not aligned and feel like that on the inside, it's like, why am I spending all that money anyway? hundred yeah. percent. And honestly, the best self-care you can do is probably going to be something that's free because it's going to come from knowledge mm-hmm. and it's going to come from just confidence and Money can't buy the 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 confidence that like knowledge of self can buy that can bring. Right. And we were just talking about this yesterday, actually. Like we were talking, we did this poll on Sweetheart Club about you know do do you guys keep a budget? And I know you just had someone on that was um, talking about budgeting yeah, and finances. Right. And like thirty five percent of people said they kept a budget, and sixty five people said sixty five percent of people said that they don't budget. Mm-hmm. And that was just so shocking to us because like. Budget in itself is self-care, you know, like knowing what you have, knowing what you can spend, not overspending. That's like self, that's like the basics of self-care, just Mm -hmm. like literally surviving. Mm -hmm. Right. And that it costs nothing to like open your bank account and not have the, like just not having fear to see what you have. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And, and like being like, okay, if I have $20 extra this month that I can use on self-care, what is my priority? Mm-hmm. Is it a yoga class or is it buying a book? What it just like constantly every day be like, what is my priority? What do I have to work with? Right. How can I utilize what I have? And because mm-hmm. we're such a consumer culture, we always think we need more, more, more. But really books take time to read and you can spend a month on that. And right. yoga, if you, you do it on YouTube, it's free and you mm-hmm. can do it every day if you want yeah. to do it and spend a month on doing that and then save up the money to actually go to a class or something. But like we live in such a consumer culture where it's like you feel like you need so much at, at the time. Like, like take as take as much as you can chew. Like mentally mm-hmm. and like in your life. Like we 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 add way too much to our lives. Yeah, and even just walking outside and like challenging yourself to be like, what can I look at that's different on my walk than yeah. anything else? Like that's like a little game I play because I used to walk all the time from my bus to my apartment in Chicago. And I think it was in a book and it said that like, why don't you try to find something different, whether it's like a flower or a butterfly or whatever the case is. And I was like, that like changed my whole walk. I was like, oh, I'm not like mindlessly looking at my phone, walking down the sidewalk. I was like, look how pretty that house is. Like, I didn't even see that. And I think going back to gratitude, like you, I think what gratitude prompts is you being more aware of your day. Mm -hmm. Because when I started making my gratitude journal, I was like, friends, family, my job next day. Uh, my paycheck, friends, mm, family. Yeah. Like, and I was like, okay, what else? And I was like, okay, let's think of all the little things. Like, oh, I got a front parking spot at the grocery store. Like, that guy didn't make me pay for the conference room. Mm-hmm. Like, all these little things. Like, you guys just got parking right outside yeah. here. Like, mm-hmm. that it makes you, like, really start to pay attention to your day. Yeah. So that's, like, a, a big thing. Like, journaling is free. Yeah. Walking outside mm-hmm. is free. Yeah. We don't always have to be, like, doing goop stuff. Like, putting golden eggs in our vagina like that's not mm-hmm. something <laughs> totally and I feel like most people like go to these things when they need the most help mm-hmm. you know but like the truth is is like be making it part of your practice means that you have to consciously do it even when you don't need the help mm-hmm. you have to be thankful even when like even when like most people like go to and like pray or something when they need something no you have to pray or you mm-hmm. have to you have to actively thank, be thankful even right. when you don't need anything because then you're going to be more thankful and able to handle the bad times absolutely 
So you guys are, it sounds like fully diving in a sweetheart club, like really re-energizing and like reinvigorating with all these polls you're doing and like getting consumer feedback and just like engaging with your audience. So what's next for you guys, like the next phase of sweetheart club? Mm. Yeah. So we are continuing to, uh, brainstorm new products. We'll be hopefully putting out shirts this year. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we do provide so much value on our Instagram. So if anyone does want to support, supporting our shop is the number one way to help us keep doing what we're doing to give daily motivation to do these meetups, Mm -hmm. definitely supporting our shop. Mm -hmm. Um, we have, we are really excited next May, 2020, we are going to be part of the sum of us festival, which is the first, um, non-binary trans and, um, women self care summit, um, wellness festival in Northern California. It's it's a three day event. So you can't over. And so what? it's just like three days of just like this incredible experience. Oh, I'm getting like goosebumps because I want to go. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll find a way. I'll manifest it. To you. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I'll manifest a, tele- yeah. a teleportation device. Yes, seriously. <laughs> but yeah, so I think like, um, you know, just continuing to put things in our shop and like create gifts to help remind people in their daily lives to do self-care practices. Also doing meetups. I think that's like one of like the things that we love doing. We love having hugs with people. We love meeting people. And, um, just continuing to do things that like create engagement, another mm-hmm. self-love challenge. I really want to do it. Um, I haven't even told you this. <laughs> I really want to do like a vanity detox week Ooh. and like make that the new challenge. And like, yes, to do that. put away the fucking scale. Literally like have a vanity, like literally tape your mirrors up. You're not allowed to look at yourself for a week. It's oh, not, man, a, don't I do your makeup that. for a week. Like you're on a detox. That's and, such a good idea. And I think that that's kind of like, one of the next things that I think we could really do just hey, to I like that. Idea. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> it was so funny. I went to a workout class yesterday and they didn't have mirrors. I remember thinking, I was like, is this intentional? Cause they literally want people just here to work out. Yeah. Yeah. And we're in the middle of LA where everyone's like only cares about what they look. Yeah. So I'm like, this is a really interesting concept that there's no mirrors in the studio. Yeah. Like, yeah, but it's so funny. Cause the whole time I was like, trying to like find like a glimpse of myself. I'm like, damn, why do I care so much? I'm like just trying to get my sweat on. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, when I teach classes with, uh, in rooms with mirrors, I face everyone away from them. Yeah. I love when yoga teachers do that. Oh, I love that. It's a lot harder, but, <laughs> yeah, but balance, like, if you're I'm trying like to, if, I mean, balance comes from within and you can't, mm-hmm. you can't truly find balance from looking in the mirror. Yeah. I right. like stare at like a spot on the wall. I'm like, is that the spot? I was yeah. Looking at? I was like, <laughs> am I looking at an atom? Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's just really interesting. I think you guys should do the vanity detox. Cool. Oh, I think you will. Put it on the to-do list of a million things. 100%. I have it in my notebook. I've been thinking about it for like probably a week now. I haven't said anything because yeah. I wanted to like develop the idea a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> this is like a, a selfish creative question. It's not even really selfish. But when you guys get ideas... How do you remember them? Like I keep, I have heard someone say they like immediately create a voice memo. Some okay. people have a notebook. Oh, they always mm-hmm. keep around and write it down. We'll like, call each other and be like, <laughs> like I had, the, like, I was like doing yoga when the I had the idea for sexual healing, mm-hmm. and I called Tori and I was like, <laughs> like you know, like we we have no boundaries sometimes, which yeah. we need to work on. Setting <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boundaries, and yeah, definitely yeah. A notebook because like that's like your that's your little buddy, mm-hmm. you know. You can just always go back to a thought that you had or a terrible thought that you've had, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. I've had really bad ideas, like the toll troll. Oh, God. Well, like, okay, for instance, a terrible bad idea, quote unquote, 
the, we first made an I love you with all my fart shirt that like completely tanked. But then we were like, wait, this could be an amazing candle set. And then the candle was like one of the best Most selling candles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's it like just, just turned around. Yeah, yeah. It was like this, like this like seed of an idea that Tori had that like, it just like hadn't found its home yet. Yeah, yeah. totally. And, and they were like about to give up on it. I'm like, let's try the candle. Guys. Yeah, even my boyfriend was like, that's not going to sell. <laughs> and Tori was like, yeah it had its place it found its place (laughs) and that kind of just shows you like just because something doesn't work one way doesn't mean it can't work another way exactly yeah so if you you like something and you believe in it you know just find a way yeah totally figure it out so this podcast is called in my non-expert opinion Mm -hmm. and so i'm wondering what is a piece of advice or opinion could be expert or not that has really resonated with you that you like either live by or just like really value. Mm, I definitely just want to go back to the idea of, you know, you're going to, you can overestimate what you're going to do in a day and underestimate what you can do in a decade. And like, if you feel like there's, if you can't hit everything on your notepad, no big deal. Mm -hmm. If you can't hit everything in like three months, no big deal. Like if you're going in the right direction of what you're supposed to achieve and what you truly are meant to achieve, you're going to achieve it. So mm-hmm. be easy with yourself, like live your life as you're, as you're chasing your dreams too. And like, just, it just remember that like you can only do as much as you can do. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't over, don't over kill yourself. Love that. That's yours. That's awesome. Um, the immediate thought that I had was a tattoo that I actually have on my side, which is a sword and a key. And it kind of is like my life motto that you have to protect yourself, but keep yourself open. So I live by that every single day. Like you have to protect yourself from other people's energy. You have to protect yourself by saying no to social obligations or things that you can't do. But then you also have to be open to spontaneous ideas, to, you know, to learning new things, to, you know, opening yourself wider than you ever thought that Mm -hmm. you could. And so, like, yeah, protect yourself, but keep yourself open is, like, my mantra. I love that. I love that. I love those, too. Yeah. Those are great little – I think I need to, like, write that down as my mantra. (laughs) (laughs) Write them down. I need to get the alchemist. Uh I need to pray fuck my life. Yeah. I need to subscribe to the newsletter. Uh Speaking of, where can people find that and the Sweetheart Club? Yeah, just go to our website, www. Do you want to say that anymore? (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) HTTP. Sweetheartclub.com. And a a little box should pop up, and you just put your email in there. And we always have a book of the month that we talk about, and we have a journal prompt and an activity for every week. So it's definitely something that's like to help engage and like think out of the box. And just a little reminder, like, hey, listen, I need to be focusing on self love. Mm -hmm. So definitely go to our website and sign up. Sweetheart Club is S U I Heart. Okay. And can you guys really quickly tell us where that name came from? Yes, because uh, sweet in Latin means self, it's one interpretation of self. So it's like self heart. Oh my so self-love. And I was like, it does sound like sweetheart. Yeah, so it does. So it's, yeah. Yeah, that worked out so perfect. Yeah. And what about the Instagram? Same thing? Yeah, at Sweetheart Club. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay, everyone go follow them. Let's keep our eye out for this Vanity Detox Challenge. Like, yeah. I'm going to be pestering you guys and just being like, you don't do it. I'm doing it myself. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do it. We're definitely going to do it. Love it. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Thanks, Thank girl. you so much for having us.